I think starting the firm was a place of healing for me because it wasn't anything that I sought after. It was something that just kind of found me. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. While COVID-19 is having an unprecedented impact on the economy, companies like Gusto are still building tools to support your business and your people through the ups and the downs. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll, benefits, and HR to small businesses across the country. They were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mag. And as a listener, you'll get three months free when you run your first payroll. Sign up and give it a try at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, we have Holly Drains, a former secret service agent turned founder of security consulting firm, Elite Strategy Global. With a desire to protect the vulnerable, Holly has always set out to pursue a career in serving and protecting others. Her major in criminal justice at LaSalle University laid the groundwork for her expertise in forensic science. After obtaining her bachelor's degree in criminal justice, Holly then went on to pursue her master's in forensic science from the University of New Haven. Holly has become a trailblazer for women in the armed forces, starting with blazing a trail as the first woman of color to graduate top of the Hartford Police Academy class. With a wealth of formal training and education, Holly is not stopping there. She is currently continuing her education as a second-year PhD candidate specializing in homeland security leadership and policy. To date, Holly has a remarkable track record of providing personal security for some of the nation's top leaders, including First Lady Michelle Obama and President Barack Obama. At the height of her career, serving in a history-making capacity as a Secret Service agent for the nation's first African-American president, Holly was faced with a personal tragedy of the untimely passing of her mother and sister, causing her to step down from her role as a Secret Service agent to become a full-time guardian to her beloved sister's survived son. With an impressive resume and reputable relationships, Holly was able to launch her own security consulting firm, Elite Strategy Global, offering a top-tier suite of diverse service offerings, including personal security, data privacy, cybersecurity, investigation vetting, and more. Holly's resilience and astonishing record of success exudes her company's motto, which is excellence without excuses. And adding another first under her portfolio, Holly's company, Elite Strategy Global, is the first 100% woman-owned security firm to oversee security for the Essence Festival in the organization's 50-year history. What an incredible story. Stay tuned for us to jump right into it. In your own words, give us a peek into the life of Holly. Who are you and when were you bitten by the entrepreneurship bug? Okay, so a little about Holly and when was I bitten? Well, you know, it's it's funny because I I was not, it wasn't something that I was bitten by 
Um, in the sense that probably your listeners would think, like I woke up saying, I really want to be an entrepreneur. I really want to own my own business. Like it wasn't that at all, to be honest with you. I was a, at the time my life kind of turned, I was, uh, an agent with the secret service with the United States secret service. I was assigned to the presidential protective, um, detail, uh, and I was serving um, during the Obama administration. So at the time that I um, left the organization, I mean, I was I was doing what I always wanted to do. Like I, I was in law enforcement, which if you know anything about me, then that's been my entire career track, um, some form of law enforcement since the late 90s. And so really entrepreneurship came about, I believe, as more of a a blessing in, in, in disguise, the blessing that I didn't know that I needed, but I'm grateful to have. So um, my, my story, which I know that we'll get into a little bit, um, when I lost my mom and my sister in 2014, and that kind of started the shift um, in my professional space. And like I said, I didn't realize that I went back to work and I just kind of focused in on work and kind of rallied and, you know, did what I needed to do to go back into that space because I loved what I did. I loved working for the United States Secret Service. I, it was pride. It was, um, gratitude. It was humility. It was just happy to use, uh, the talents and the gifts that I felt like I had been blessed with and be be part of a larger team and just add my part to it. Like I was grateful. But what ended up happening is after those those circumstances, I ended up needing to take custody of my nephew. Like his dad needed support and I could not ignore that. My sister was gone and his dad needed a partner to help him you know, to raise my sister's son. And that became what I felt was my calling. Like I needed to, I needed to do this. It, it really wasn't a question. And people ask me like, you know, how did you come about um, that answer? Like it really was not a choice to be made. Like I come from a place and a space where it takes a village and you do what you have to do. And so my nephew needed a mom. And so not to replace my sister ever, but just to step in and give that support piece. And so that's what I needed to do. And so fast forward, when I left the organization, it was a difficult decision. And I, I, I write about it, um, or not, I write about it, but it's been written about in some other articles, particularly the one that I think some of your listeners may or may not have seen in essence, like it was a tough, it was really tough. Like I was hurt my last day with the secret service. I cried, um, not because I regretted what I was doing, but because I was leaving something I love to also do something for someone I love. So it was, it was a challenge. And it was during that grief time that the entrepreneurship came to be. Um, I had people still calling and reaching out and just asking for advice, you know, security related folks that I'd worked with um, during the Obama administration, you know, you develop relationships with them. You know, everyone works as a team, like everything is a team. You're working with staff, you're working with, you know, these folks, you're working with folks from, you know, the, the service itself. And so um, when you start getting those calls and people just remember, hey, you know, I knew Holly. I wonder if she can answer this question for me. Um, that's really how the firm came to be. It was a series of those type of calls. And one of the clients that I worked with um, 
on behalf of a staff member who called me to get some advice on something. It was that very client who she may or may not know that she's the reason she said to me. And at once at, at some point in time, I will go back and thank her because I want her to know that she she asked me, you know, have you ever thought about doing this as a full time thing? Because you st- you have passion for it. You're good at it. And it's clear that you still love it, even though you're not necessarily in this structure, even though you're not necessarily with the Secret Service anymore. And so that really started the thought process. And then from that, the the firm just kind of organically came to be. So, wow, Holly, you have been through a lot. And I thank you for, you know, being open and sharing that and being open to sharing that side of your your experience and journey so far. Um, I understand that you studied criminal justice in college and, you know, you went through the police academy. Did you ever know about the Secret Service as a career opportunity? No, actually, you know, and I and I chuckled because I'm a big faith centered person and it's grown right. as my circumstances have changed. So back then, no, I I didn't know anything about United States Secret Service. I, when I went through college and I majored in criminal justice, I just, that was just fascinating to me. Do not ask me why. I don't know. It just was so fascinating to me. And at that point, I actually thought I wanted to be an attorney. Like that's where I first thought that I was going to, I said, you know what? I see myself as a lawyer. I feel like I'm engaging. I you know, mm-hmm. I like to talk to people. This is what I'm going to do. And during, I want to say maybe it was my sophomore summer, if I'm correct, the city that I'm, that um, I come from, um, the city of Hartford had a kind of its own internship program going on in the city back then. Um, you were given a stipend, you know, because every, every bit helps when you're a college student. You don't, you don't have a lot of money. So um, <laughs> I appreciate that good opportunity. And, um, and I applied and I was accepted. And, and I chose the Hartford Police Department for that um, to be their um, intern, if you will. And it was during that time that I got a completely broadened perspective of the criminal justice system. And so I worked inside of the police department um, in the crime analysis unit. And I just watched a lot of the inner workings that went on. I got a chance to do some ride-alongs with the officers. I appreciate them for (laughs) being willing to take me under their wing. But at that moment, I can tell you, when I finished that summer, that was it for me. Like, that that was where I was going. That, that, that was what I believed I was called for. I loved it. I loved being in the community. I loved everything about the problem solving. I loved police work. I, I absolutely did. And so that was really, um, and I did not know anything about Secret Service at that time. I just knew that I wanted to be a police officer. And um, I, I, was, I was blessed. I um, I went through the police academy. I was successful. I graduated. Did you go into police work right after graduation? So right after graduation, actually, I didn't. Um, so the police, the whole process of of applying, I don't know where the process stands currently. But back then, it took mm, took about uh, took about a year. Um, and so when I came out, I was again blessed to have. You know, when we start talking about these days, this whole village concept, it was going on back then too. So 
I applied through some, um, a friend of my sister's, um, she worked as a case manager for a mental health agency. And um, she was able to set up uh, an opportunity for me to be considered for a position um, coming in as a, as a new case manager. And I will tell you, honestly, uh, when I sat with the woman who would eventually become my boss, but what she told me in part is, I know you're going to leave and go to the police department. Mm. Oh, yes. This, this is how good. This is how good. Let me tell you how good God is. So she said, I know you're going to leave and I want you to leave me when your application process is when they come and offer you the job. I want you to go. But she said the skills that I'm going to teach you now doing case management for, you know, our mental health, our, 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 our mental health population will, she said, will only help you because part of being a successful police officer, she felt in her estimation, was the ability to be an effective communicator. And she said, and you have to be able to communicate with all demographics, not just one. And so she said, I want to mentor you. I want to teach you this, this skill set. I want you to work here. I want you to be successful here. But she said, when it's time to go, she said, I want you to leave. And so, yeah, when I was offered the position, when I finished going through the whole background phase and it came time to go, once again, I was in a puddle of my tears. I said, oh, my goodness, I love this job, too. Like I was blessed to just work places that I loved. And so she's like, nope, if this was only for a season, it's time for you to move on. So, again, just really blessed in that way where, yeah, she hired me knowing that I was not going to stay, but she said, I want to sew into you. And so what was your experience like and how did you eventually transition into the Secret Service? So um, my my experience with the police department, um, again, I was born and raised in the city of Hartford. And so my experience with the police department was what I felt about it was if I was going to do this, I was not going to do it any place else than the place where I was raised. I mean, because that's how that I, I just felt like that sense of, I don't know, I felt that sense of pride that this is my, this is my city that, that, that raised me, that made me, you know, my mom was a single mom, you know, my dad did what he had to do, their marriage didn't make it, that's okay, but this is the city that was part of my village. I went to church in that city, I was raised in that city, and so working there, I, I mean, I, I loved being a part of the communicate the community. Some aspects were hard. I'm not, I, I won't lie. Like police work is not easy work. You know, you're coming into situations where people are counting on you to be um, at your best when they're not. Um, they're counting on you to look at situations and look at it with a, an objective lens and not get caught up in what you're seeing so that you can be effective and being able to manage it and, and bring it under control. Um, you have to help the situation. And so there are days when it's hard when you see people going through, like it's <laughs> just because we're wearing a uniform does not mean you do not see what is happening right before your eyes. So there were days that I'm not, they, it, they were very hard, you know, when you see some of the things that, that took place in the city, but then there were other great days where you're just, you know, being part of the community, talking with the community, you know, part of your job is also, you know, building community relationships. It's not always about the, the, the worst parts of, of what's happening, which is, you know, the crime or the criminal um, incidents that have taken place, but it's also the parts of, hey, 
I'm just going to get out of the car and just hang out with, you know, these young people or talk to this business owner. That's part of it too. And so um, when I came to be exposed to the Secret Service, it was actually because I was in grad school. I was part of their recruiting division at the time, which because I love the police department, I was I was grateful to be able to um, be part of the team that recruited and had a hand in recruiting the next generation of officers. So during that time of recruiting, I was in grad school. I was working on my master's in forensic science. And um, I met a gentleman who had actually left the Hartford Police Department when I was starting. He was also in my graduate class. And he was the first one that really introduced me to the Secret Service. We kind of chatted in the back. You know, we both working full time. We chatted in the back during night class. And he talked to me about being a part of this organization that he felt that I could have a presence in being a woman, being a woman of color. Um, He said, I really think that this would be a great opportunity for you. And so that's really how the conversation first started. But understand, I didn't jump on it the first time you mentioned it because I was happy where I was. I love I I love being. I mean, I'm not. I'm. That is a testament to really enjoying yes. it and, and making a good decision for your job, you know? Yeah, I did not jump on that. Mm-mm. He said it to me and I said, yeah, I, I said, I don't think that that's what I'm called for. <laughs> uh-uh. said, uh-uh, no, 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 I don't think that's so. So what changed, what ultimately changed your he mind? He did, he did, he did. So he he okay. came back and we, we, you know, we revisited the conversation in between doing what we were supposed to do, which was be in class and be present and do our, and do our good assignments so that we could pass and, and graduate. Um, and so when he came to me again, um, I said, you know, I said, let me, let me ask, let me, let me get some advice. And so I actually talked to leadership within the Hartford Police Department folks that I really valued their opinion. And um, I asked, I asked um, someone that I really respected. And I said, what do you think? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do because I'm not unhappy at the police department. I like what I do. I love it. I have good teammates. I have good, I, I work in the city. I still live in the city. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, still close with my mom because she's in the city. I live at the house. Like I have a great life. There's, there's nothing wrong here. And so what he told me in, in some is that the reason why he was able to have this really prominent leadership position within the Hartford Police Department and grow in the ranks is because he wasn't afraid to try other things is basically what it boiled down to. He said, I traveled essentially all over the country and in dif- just in different aspects. Just He said, the bottom line is he said, I wasn't afraid to try things. And so by the time I got to the to Hartford in the city of Hartford police department, he said, I I knew this is where I was supposed to be because I was willing to go out and try other things. And so he gave me kind of that fatherly mentorship advice. He said, go, he said, you have, I remember he told me, he said, I hadn't burned any bridges there. I had done good work for them. I was a good officer. And he said, I want you to try this because you're not going to know where you're supposed to be unless you're willing to go out and kind of, you know, sp- spread your wings a little bit. And he said, but know this, mm-hmm. and I and I appreciate him. And if he ever, come, you know, ends up hearing about this interview, hopefully he'll know who he was. Uh, he said, if you go there and you are unhappy, 
He said, just know that you always have a home here because you did not burn any bridges. You served us well. He said, but this is, he's like, I want you to feel comfortable to go out and try something different. And if you're meant to be there, you're going to stay there. But if you get out there and realize that's not where you're supposed to be, at least you tried it. And now again, he said, I will welcome you back. Not a problem. You'll know that this is where you were always supposed to stay. So that's the kind of advice that I got. And that was what helped me to launch and, and give it a try. And like I told you, like the other jobs before, the last day of Harper Police came in, I sat crying again. You know, <laughs> you can be like, this girl cries. I really don't. But it's just that I really have been blessed to do things that I love. So a, a lot of my career movement and mobility has not been due to any type of dissatisfaction. It's been because something inside of me has said, you know, my faith, I, I'm, I, I speak a lot about my faith is saying this is, you know, this mm-hmm. is just supposed to be for a season. Right. And you have. To- yeah. yeah. And what a blessing as well. People, um, I think sometimes there's this bad stigma about moving on that you must be unhappy. You're not grateful for the opportunities, but that's life. That's what's meant to happen. I had a boss once tell me that the sign of a good boss is when you kind of outgrow them and you go to that next level and you're ready to be the boss or you're ready to take the next step. Not, you know, not staying stagnant at your position forever. So I'm I'm glad that you're just reminding everyone that, um, yes, you can love your job. Yes, you can be comfortable, but do not forget to keep on striving for something greater and was it a smooth transition so when when I hear secret service I mean I think you might as well tell me maybe you know like it just sounds to me like you get all sorts of secret (laughs) missions as a test (laughs) how what was that transition like how what is the application process Um, even like honestly are you allowed to say? <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. There, there are some things that I could absolutely share openly. And thankfully, they trained me well. And, you know, I, I uh, just like my mom raised me. My mom raised <laughs> me to be hardheaded, even though I was sometimes, you know. So um, I know what things that I can't speak about and what things the Secret Service would say. Why did she say that? So um, <laughs> what I will say is that the process was, it was intense. It definitely tested your resolve, but it needed to, because as uh, there were some days that, oh gracious, I went back to my room and I would say, I was like, I I don't know if I, I, you know, made the right decision. Like this is, you know, this is really intense because they're, they're teaching you a craft and a skill set that is going to be required to safeguard our nation's highest leaders. And if you look at, if you look at it from that perspective, then it's worth everything that they're putting you through because you're, you're, you're doing, you're, you're being tasked with something They're They're entrusting you with a role and a responsibility um, that, like I said, is, is required to safeguard our nation's highest leaders. Not to mention, you're also working in a team. You're not working in a silo. So your teammates, and that's real important to me, your teammates are counting on you too. So even if you're tired and you're like, oh, you know, this is really beating me down, this is grinding, um, then you also have to remember it's your team counting on you because everyone works to um, contribute to 
the, the, the common the common goal, to complete the common goal and mission. And so everything that we do is very team-based. Um, and so that also keeps your mind right because, you know, it's not just about you. It, it never is. You, you are part of a team and you, and that's how we, that's how we function. And so, yeah, when I went to training, it was not, it was not a joke. It was not a game. Like they, they put you through the paces. I pushed myself harder than I ever thought that I could, um, physically, mentally. Um, I learned, um, a level of, of, excellence where it came to my physical health and my mental strength like that I had never known before. And I'm grateful for it because those tools I now keep, I I still have, you know, so it wasn't like they, they, they trained you on it and it was applicable to the job at hand, but it's, it's tools that then you can take with you. And it definitely, you can see it when you do other things. Like for instance, like I said, be an entrepreneur, launch out in a business space. Um, some of the, that, that mental focus and structure um, really serves you well. So I'm grateful. I am grateful for all that good running they put me through. And I am grateful for all those good, you know, push-ups and, 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 uh, and pull-ups <laughs> that you had to do. I remember one of my cl- um one of my classmates because I was feeling tired, but we supported each other as, as teammates, as women. One of them, she told me, "Always remember, your mind will give out long before your body does." And that was just a gut check to remind you that even when you think you're tired, you got more in the tank. You 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 can do more. It's your mind that's going to succumb long before your body, long before your body does. And she has no idea. Again, all these people that sew into your village. She told me that back in 2004, while we were in Fletsy going through pre-training, and that is a little bit of nugget of knowledge that I have carried with me all the way to the present to, and, and beyond. And I still tell people that. And I think that applies to a lot of things too. <laughs> your mind is the biggest, it can be the biggest oppressor or it can be the biggest, you know, push through once you get your mindset right. Absolutely. Really, you need that mindset for everything. You do. So now, how long were you with the Secret Service and, and what was that experience like? I was with the Secret Service. I joined in 2004 and I stayed on until my family tragedy required me to kind of shift my responsibilities. And so I left in 2017 at the top of the year. So I did just shy of um, 13 years with the organization. I would say my experience with the United States Secret Service was something that I would say that's hard to put into words, but I'm going to do my best. It was an, it was an honor. It was a privilege. It was humbling. It was, it was, it was gratifying. And very much at times it was, it was exhausting, but it was uh, um, a happy exhaustion, an exhaustion that I would do a thousand times over again without hesitation. Um, Because granted, I'm coming into an unfamiliar space. I started in the New York office. I went, I was in the Brooklyn office. I was in the White Plains office um, before I then went to DC. And so between our investigative mission and our protective mission, because that's the other thing that some people don't realize about the organization. Most people just um, see us um, in retrospect related to 
our uh, political protectees. So the president, vice president, you know. But you have to protect no matter who's in the office. So, yeah. So we protect the seat, you know, and whoever holds the seat. It's not. And so um, most people know us for that aspect. But we also have an investigative mission. You know, um, when you start talking about counterfeit currency and, 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 and things of that nature. And so I would say they taught me a lot of things that I just, it was a real period of growth and learning how to be your best um, at all times because they're counting on you. Like they're literally counting on you. You work in such, even different from the police department, like the police department, um, there were times that I would go to calls and I worked in my patrol car and I covered my sector. So I did that Mm -hmm. solo. But when I would go to calls, absolutely, I always had a backup. We we never left each other hanging. But there were times that you work solo in certain aspects of your job. Um, I would say the Secret Service, for the most part, particularly with your your protective mission, you, like I said earlier in the in our conversations, you are part of a a greater process. So when you put together these, you develop these very intricate detailed security plans, um, whether you're doing them domestically or you've traveled abroad, you are part of a larger process. And so there's a real sense of um, responsibility and ownership and accountability. I think that's a good word, accountability, that you feel because they put a lot of trust in you to to do what you what what they're tasking you to do because your part affects the the entire the entire picture and so it's real so I mean I loved my time there um, I worked with um, uh, amazing folks like I have provided um, security support for aspects of the Clinton division. I've worked with that former first lady, former first lady, you know, Hillary Rodham Clinton and our uh, former DHS secretary, uh, Janet Napolitano, and um, just very gifted women, um, national security advisor, um, Susan Rice and um, senior advisor, Valerie Jarrett. And of course, um, how everyone, you know, they, they call her and coin her absolutely, you know, the forever first lady, you know, Mrs. Uh, Michelle Obama. Yes. Right. Yeah. I, I, I pay attention to the to the traffic. I know I know for, they call the forever first lady. Um, and so I've had the privilege of working with some really dynamic women and that, again, just sewed into me and poured into me as a woman, as an entrepreneur, where you watch them every day in your role providing, you know, their security and safety. But you're also the, you're by default also learning, you know, some good aspects and tools of how you would want to be. And so I see I've taken a lot of those things and tried to apply them as I start my own journey in entrepreneurship. One of them told me, you know, it's everyone's duty to leave this world better, a little better than you found it. 
And it takes work to do that, right? Absolutely. And so those are some of the jewels that you hear. And I'm like, wow. Right. And it takes work to figure out what exactly you could be doing. There are a lot of things you could be doing. You know, you could be volunteering at the weekend, on the weekend, like at a soup kitchen. Like, what does that look like? How do you organize your life in a consistent manner to do that? You know, when people say that. So I know that's not easy. And um, I'm struck by the awesome, awesome women that you've worked with. But not only that. It's funny. I love the phrase I heard once and it sticks with me. You know, God shows us signs, but only in glimpses. And so looking back at any moment, did you think, you know, one day I might I might want to do this on my own? I might want to start my own thing. You know, I look at it and it's exactly what you just said. The glimpses. Now that I've started my own thing, you can see the glimpses of the um, conversations of the words of wisdom that they provided where you didn't necessarily know at the time how that was going to fit into your story, but it's amazing how it, it's held in queue for you. So now you're, you're, you're doing this entrepreneurial journey and that's what you recall. You recall those pearls. You recall um, some of the ways that they, they, they executed their own positions. And, you know, some of the things that I saw of them were, that were just excellent is the way they balanced um, work and family. Um, very much present for both. Um, that's something that I'm now trying to master and, and, and figure out. And some days I'll be honest, I fail, you know, I might, <laughs> but, but thank goodness, you know, my nephew forgives me. He knows she's not the best cook, but she sure tries, you know, um, but we have, um, gotten to a place he's now in college. And so I'm learning how to, you know, balance being the best that I can be and be what my sister would have wanted with also being something that he can look to as maybe what he wants to strive for as he gets older. I don't want to be, and my mom raised me that way. I want him to go more further than I did. I want him to look to me and see opportunity um, and see she's still going then this is my job to not stop, but to keep pushing, keep going. And so that's what I kind of um, took from them, because I think at the time you, you're focused on the mission. You're always focused on the mission. I'm focused on what my job is as that special agent. And so it's to safeguard them, to safeguard and um, their loved ones, um, both, you know, in their personal time, in their professional space. And so you just don't realize that all that you're being exposed to at the time, even though you're focused on your mission, how it then has, you know, grown you as an individual when you embark upon something that you, a space that you had no idea you'd be stepping into, you know, later on. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. If you have turned your side hustle into an official business, you're probably starting to see that small business owners, we have to wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are really fun, but some like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, are not so fun. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way modern small businesses work. But Gusto is. 
I've even had Side Hustle Pro guests rave about how essential Gusto has been to their business. So let Gusto wear one of the many hats in your own business. And remember, Side Hustle Pro listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. The online learning community is offering our listeners two months of free premium membership. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare. Right now, Skillshare is such a great resource to have so you can stay inspired, express yourself, and connect to a community of creatives with fascinating classes on topics like how to start a business online, e-commerce essentials, email marketing, and so much more. You can also take non-business classes like drawing or writing, and that can be a great way to help manage stress, practice mindfulness, and feel connected to one another. I recently took a Skillshare class called Context is Key, Social Media Strategy in a Noisy Online World, and I just found it so valuable as a refresher on creating a channel-specific social media strategy for my brand. So as you can see, Skillshare offers classes designed for real life and all of the circumstances that come with it. Creative self-discovery and expression can settle your mind. I know it does for me. And spontaneous acts of creativity can help break up the routine of a day indoors. So Skillshare short classes are a perfect fit for that. And you'll create real projects and get the support of fellow creatives who provide encouragement, communication, and inspiration. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle Pro, where you'll get two free months of premium membership. That's two free months of premium membership at skillshare.com slash side hustle pro. And you know, what's amazing to me is to experience such personal tragedy as you have, as you shared with us of losing your mother and sister and, you know, in such an untimely way, and then be able to come out of that with a business, you know, which takes so much mental strength and focus. How were you able to do that? I mean, how long did it take you to start to think I should at least take a go at this and start my own executive security company? Honestly, it it was my, I want to say, I feel like it was part of my, part of my healing. Mm -hmm. I grieve and I'm still grieving. That's the one thing I'll say um, honestly to your audience is that it doesn't ever stop. Every day, you know, you just, you wake up and you, and you find a reason to have joy. You find a reason to smile. You find a reason to be happy. Um, And, and I, and I say that not in a very, um, cavalier way, but in a way that I, I took for granted before all of that happened. And so I had to struggle, you know, to find those moments. And I think starting the firm was a place of healing for me because it wasn't anything that I sought after. It was something that just kind of found me. So these calls that are coming in and I'm thinking that I'm just doing something to keep my mind active and, you know, utilizing utilizing what I believe is my gift and doing the best that I can to just help someone out. Like these weren't, you know, I'm not in the beginning, like I wasn't looking to get 
financially compensated. And I, and I said that to folks, I'm like, Hey, I was like, you know, if I can just, you know, give you an answer or connect you with someone like I'm good with that. Like I think this, the, the firm elite, elite strategy global, that's the name of the firm. It came to be just by, it, it was a place of healing. And so I will tell you like every person that aligned with me, once the firm came to be, it was very organic. It was, so I still love doing what I do or what I was trained to do in my previous career, but that's not where God has placed me now. I feel like I'm being called to do something else. Like I'm not sure how this is going to shape or evolve. I feel called to do this. You know, what do you think? Will you do this with me? And every person that I spoke to about it and it was amazing sisters. I mean, amazing in their craft, professionally, personally, they all at the time that I spoke to them, and I didn't speak to everyone at the same time. They all were just like, you know what? This, this is where I want to be right now. And so for me, that's just all to say, I felt like it was affirmation. Um, I felt like it was affirmation when I spoke to them. They were like, if you'd asked me a few months later, or a few months earlier, or a few, you know what I mean? Like you just came to me at the right time. Yes, I want to do this. And so for me, that was just affirmation to keep going. So the firm just kind of organically, believe it or not, it just kind of grew itself. Now, Holly, (laughs) I have to break that down a little bit because now when you say organically came to be, so when you say this, so you're referring to asking people to work for the firm, is that what you're saying? Yeah, when I, when it came to the structure, like the, okay. the organizational structure. So the idea came from, like I said, it came from just a staff member who I knew um, in my previous career who called me for some advice with a client she was working with. Okay. And from that, that client, based on the way that I served her, asked me whether or not I considered doing this as a full-time thing, which I had not until she really asked me the question. She said, I'm not forcing you. This is just my two cents. There's nothing wrong with having your own business and monetizing something that you love doing. So I appreciate the advice. I appreciate. And I went on vacation that year. This was 2017. I went on vacation. I thought about it. I let it, I let it kind of marinate. And from that, I, the firm came to be during my vacation came the name of the firm. And then once the name came, then I started trying to figure out how to put structure to the firm? Like, what do I want it to look like? How do I want it to evolve? And I want it, there's so many dynamic sisters and women of color out there. I said, you know what? I want this to be, I want women of leadership in these key roles. Um, and when it comes to security, every aspect of it, um, accounting, our legal section, every aspect, I wanted it to really highlight and put a shine on the brilliance of our, of of our women. And I had all of those folks as a blessing already in my Rolodex. Like those were already my friends, my village, my support. And now I'm just tapping into them in a different way and allowing their expertise to shine in these different, in these different ways. And were they already working for themselves? Were they working for other people? So were you asking these people to leave their jobs? and come work for you. Yep. So they were already working other places. So they basically took a leap of faith and continued to do this on the side and grow it. 
Um, and so some of them since then have now retired and now they're with me on a regular basis. Um, but yeah, it was literally them saying, hey, this feels good to me. I want to help you to grow this. I want, I want, I believe in this. I, I, I like this. I like what you're doing. I like what the mission behind this. I like what this can be. I definitely want to be part of this. As you started this business, you've never run a business before. Were there any moments where you felt intimidated? For example, how, I'm go- how should I run payroll? How do I make sure that we get enough jobs coming in to support our firm and so forth? So I would say, and we're still full transparency, we're still in that space. I am still in a space of learning and growing, and I'm grateful to have solid people on my team that can give me continued good advice and good support around those things. So we're a consulting, we're a consulting firm. So right now we look to what services we are great at and that we are gifted at and and how that can then penetrate um, and serve um, the community domestically and abroad. And so that's kind of how we started. Yes, I have those fears like what if, you know, the phone stops ringing or what if, you know. Um, But fortunately, here's where, again, the faith comes in. If you, and this is, uh, this is only because I'm, I'm living it right now. If you are willing to, whatever it is, whatever is growing inside of you, whatever is developing, whatever is that thing that you feel like you're being called to do, if you are truly being called to do it and you walk faithfully in it, it's not to say that it's not going to be hard because it is. And, and it's still hard for me. And some days I wake up and I'm like, this is really hard. I don't know if I've been really successful today. But I can tell you that the opportunities continue to come. The doors continue to open because I feel like I'm just being authentic and true to where I believe I've been called to be. Yes. And so I think that's the difference. Like, I'm not trying to do something that I wasn't called to do. I'm not trying to just chase paper, so to speak. Like, I feel like I'm really authentically doing and 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 creating something that I was called to do. And I'm trying to be faithful in that. Do I make mistakes every day? You know, but in my in my journey and in me trying to be faithful in what I believe I'm being called to do in this season of my life, I can tell you that the doors open. They open. Absolutely. And I saw that your company, Elite Strategy Global, was the first 100% women-owned security firm to oversee security for the Essence Festival. Yeah. So tell <laughs> us about that. How did that come to be? And how did you manage that what seems like just Herculean task. Oh my gosh. So first and foremost, huge, huge, huge shout out and grateful to the Essence organization. We call them family, Essence family for, again, reaching out across the aisles and taking that leap of faith with me. And so how that came to be is that um, the person that used to advise them on security matters years ago um, was also someone that retired from Secret Service. And as the blessing would have it, (laughs) 
he is someone that has sowed into me. So when I was going through this true story, when I was going through the application process for the service, once you get to the end and they're ready to offer you a position, they do what's called an in-house um, interview, if you will. They sit down with your your family, your loved ones, whoever your support system ha- is, and explain to them what this job is going to be and how it's going to impact your life. And so because you need that village, you need that support. And so they want to make sure that your family is also on board with what you're doing and understanding how it's going to change a little But You're going to miss some important holidays. You're going to miss some important things. So fast forward, I had that sit down and the gentleman that came to do the sit down many years later was the same gentleman that worked um, doing security related needs for the Essence family. And so when um, my firm came to be, he and I had conversations. He was no longer with Essence. He had moved on to some other professional bases. But he said, you know what? He said, I think this is a great fit for where we are right now. He said, I think where they're moving toward and the way that they support women, women of color, entrepreneurship. He's like, I I think this makes sense. And he did. He reached across the aisles, made those introductions. And I sat down. They were very meticulous. They don't just allow (laughs) anyone to (laughs) do that. You know, they really, again, they did their due diligence, you know, kudos to them. They really wanted to see what I was coming with, what my team possessed as far as skill set and the be and the ability to handle something of that magnitude. And one of the conversations I had and I have had with her was Joy Prophet, you know, who's currently the chief operating officer of the S organization. And I spoke with her not too long ago and I thanked her. I thanked her because she didn't have to. And but she saw something in, in, in the organization, she saw something in me and she trusted and she allowed us to represent them. And it was a successful, successful event. I mean, like anything else, you always have areas where, and like any good, um, process or mission, you always look to, um, review your, your, the way you did it and look to improve better the, in the next time around that just makes you better in your craft. But it was very successful. We had, I think the numbers were over half a million attendees. It was one of the largest they have ever had in the history of their organization. And yes, it was their 25th anniversary of the Essence Festival. So it was a lot of just just awesome opportunity to be in partnership with them. And I think to answer your question, the way we attacked it was, again, tools that I had learned from an organization that helped train me. And so um, going back to the Secret Service, we thank them for teaching us these principles and this methodology for how to provide security Um, for individuals and organizations and experiences across all spectrums from the smallest to the largest. And so when you're part of an organization that um, puts security plans in place for things like the inauguration and, you know, huge um, national security events like that, 
you then take what you've learned and take what you've been taught and then you apply it here. So we're grateful to them. We will come back again this year. We were welcomed back and we're grateful. We will do the festival um, again this year. And this actually is their 50th anniversary year of their brand. So we're very humbled, very, very grateful and elated that they were happy with us. And we'll, we'll be we'll be back with them again this year. Awesome. And for a job like that, do you bring in extra staff or is that uh, covered by your current team? So basically it's a, um, it's a organizational model that we develop um, within our team. And so what the team does is we look at the, the scope, the size, the dynamic, all these dynamics, the location, what's to take place, who's invited. And, you know, we look at all these different factors. And then from that, we then put together what best practices should look like for how to secure it for all that are going to partake of it, all that touch it, whether it is the attendees, whether it is the talent, the staff, we put together a plan for all of that. And yes, we work with our local partners who are awesome. The folks in NOLA have been shown, have shown us nothing but love. And I mean, you know, nothing but, you know, that kind of family, how can we accomplish, how can we get this done together? Their local law enforcement is just, was just top notch. And so that's how we do it. We set, we, we put the framework together, we put the plan together, but then we support it with both our team and also the local um, support in that um, given space, which makes sense because if you think about it, who knows a space better than its local partners? So how exactly does your team work today? Is it all virtual? Everyone can work from home and then you come together for events and um, assignments? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we do. We do work virtually. I do have an office that I do go into for, you know, meetings of such, but my team is spread out. The core team is here in the, um, in the DC metro area, but our support partners are both domestically based um, and abroad when needed. And so, yes, though our executive team um, are based here in the DC metro area, as far as who we need to utilize when we plan different things, those folks are sporadic, um, like I said, both domestically and and internationally. But yeah, I go into the office sometimes, but yeah, for what we need to accomplish, we can we have the ability to work remotely, we can do remote meetings, we do in-person meetings. Um, it really just depends on what the need calls for. Um, and then by all means, when we are activating, um, just like a lot of how uh, we were all trained, we activate as a team. Got it. So yeah, everything is very team centered, team oriented, which is, I mean, I, I like that. We don't do things like there's projects that we will do individually, but as far as how we execute our mission and work together on the day to day, we work together as a team. And I love that. And I love the fact that, you know, you are, you still have an office, so you still invest in actual physical space. Do you find that that is hard to maintain overhead or is it still smart for your business? 
I think that as far as I'm concerned, it's a smart investment just to have that office space when you need to go to it. I think the thing to be mindful of is to just evaluate how much you need to be there and in what regard, and then to find a level of office space that matches your needs. But for me, no, I I like it because sometimes the meetings that I need to have, I need to be in I need to be in your space. I need to meet personally with you. Now, although a lot of what we do is we provide that concierge level of customized security consultation and solutions, so that requires us happily. We go to where our clients are and they appreciate that um, when we are not um, activating or physically in the space of our clients. Yeah, it is nice to be able to go into the office when I need to um, sit down with individuals and just be in their personal space. There's something to be said by just looking someone eye to eye, being in their personal space, having that conversation, being able to read that energy. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely see the value in doing both. But yes, working remotely, it there's there's been I would say there's benefits to both. And I'm happy to have the opportunity to be able to engage in both in, in both realms, in both regards. Yes. So speaking of overhead now, a lot of people, we lose money or we don't make that much in the first few years of our business. What has been your experience? My experience as far as overhead and profit, I think. And paying employees and profit. <laughs> right, 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 right. You're right. When it, it, anytime, again, because we've been talking about this um, for the duration of this conversation, anytime you are starting something that did not exist <laughs> before you started in the way that you're particularly doing it, it is going to take time for it to evolve. And we're still in that evolution space. Um, we're still in that growth space. We're still... Um, creating and maximizing, you know, our revenue and our, you know, ideal profitability. But what I can say is that I think we probably turned um, profit, um, and this is just by me talking to some, some, you know, colleagues that out that also own their own business. We've turned profit sooner um, than. Later, I would say also because we didn't come with a lot of overhead to begin with. So there's not a lot of overhead necessary in the way we structured ourselves because a lot of what we need to provide to our clients comes from within us. Like these are folks that have more than 20, 30 years experience doing what we do, but that's internal. So you can't, you know, there's not... There's not a lot of overhead in that regard. However, when it comes to like office space and I would say travel and necessary other support pieces, I would say we have done very well in that because we started off um, small. We tried not to, and I credit that to having a really awesome um, director of finance and accounting who really helped to shape us as far as what do you need right now versus what do you need later on? And so that also helped us to be more profitable sooner than later because there's certain things that she's like, if you don't need it, why are we acquiring it? And she's right. But it allowed us to then 
maximize on what we did have. And so um, I think my short answer would be to really surround yourself with sharp people that are good in these different lanes that are necessary for effective organizational management. And one of those sections is your finances and your accounting and have them, you know, and for me as, as a leader, one thing that I ha- I was able to offer into the process is be open-minded. If you have these people, please listen to them, you know? And so I listen and, you know, and they'll tell me, we don't, we don't need that right now, or we need this right now, but we need to hold on, you know? So having that good balance of good executive support also um, makes for success when talking about your finances. So what is next for your business? What's next for our business? Wow. So I would say what's next for Lead Strategy Global is really from a truly authentic space is just to have an amazing top tier presence globally. Um, To be that security curator and customized provider that is second to none. Um, That's what's next for us to really build those relationships. I tell the clients and that I work with now and that and potential clients that I have conversations with, it's, it's not the volume that we are, 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 are interested in. We're interested in the quality of the relationship. So what ESG prides itself on is really building relationships. So let's just say I engaged with you. My goal would not be to just do a one and done with you, but to get to know you, to get to know what your goals are for your own company and for your own vision and become part of that fiber and grow a longstanding relationship with you. That's kind of what we look for is to build long-term partnerships and relationships with our with our clients to also to make sure we're having a presence in a mentorship space. So some of the thought process that we're moving toward is figuring out how we can be supportive to our young girls, you know, our young people, the way that folks were to me back in Hartford, Connecticut, when I was still trying to figure out what Holly wanted to be about. How do we sew into them to let them know that you can be successful in, in the security industry? Um, because, yes, yeah, still there are probably, um, not even probably, there are more, you know, there's more male representation than female representation, but women are women of excellence and we're excellent in this industry. So having a presence where we can actively um, mentor our young ones and, you know, find a way to go out and reach out to them, have, find a way for them to maybe, you know, have a presence within the company, internships, things like that. Things that I was able to be blessed with coming up that helped me to get to this space. That's kind of the vision that I have for the firm to be able to put those same pieces um, back in place within my own company, within my own organization for the young people that are coming up now that desire a career, you know, in this field and in this industry. So with that said, we are going to jump into a quick lightning round. You just answered the first thing that comes to mind. Speed is of the essence. No need to elaborate. (laughs) Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. 
what is a resource that has helped you in building your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? My Village. Mm. Yep. Not biggest resource. And, and like I said, I, not probably the traditional answer for some, but your village. Though the, the seed is yours, you can't learning and accepting that you can't do everything by yourself and having a strong village, iron sharpens iron. So don't feel like every right answer is going to come from you. It's going to come from your ability to hear the ideas and the perspectives of others that will help to the, those right folks that will help to support you and, and make you, you know, help encourage your success. All right. Number two, what's been the best business book that has directly helped you that you've directly applied to your business? So again, um, you, I, I think I'm definitely one of your more, um, maybe one of your more organic guests. So I would say the best book that's influenced me was probably not necessarily in a business perspective, but two, like one is more of an um, email series. It's called Faith Focus Flow. It's from T.C. Cooper. And basically what she does is she provides a lot of inspirational knowledge around leading a faith-filled and faith-focused entrepreneurship in business and how to be successful um, in your business by while still remaining grounded in um, core principles that are important to you um, personally from a, you know, a faith perspective. Um, the other one is, um, my devotionals. Um, I have a couple of go-tos. TD Jakes is one, Joyce Meyer is another. So I read my devotionals daily. Um, I usually read them twice a day. Um, and, and so it's amazing what a devotional will give you as far as how you are to conduct yourself, um, both personally and professionally. And it's always a good way to, you know, just guide how you're going to carry out your day and carry out the way you kind of process things. And it's a good, good practice, at least for me, to have some good devotionals to kind of guide this process. And that leads me to number three. What is a non-negotiable part of your daily routine? Non-negotiable part of my daily routine, prayer. I get up every morning and no matter what else is going on, um, I spend time and open the day um, and have a moment to kind of collect myself in prayer. Some days are I have time to do it a little longer, some days a little um, shorter. But at the end of the day, before my day gets going and gets away from me, that's just a, a, a really important part that's non-negotiable, how I start my day before I start letting everything else, um, you know, come into the day. Yeah. That's a, that, that's a, that's a non-negotiable for me. And what is a habit that has helped you significantly in your business? I would say, uh, open-mindedness. I think sometimes, um, in a leadership role, you forget that I won't say you forget. There are times that you don't always hear everything that you need to hear because you have a lot of other things on your plate and other responsibilities. But I think, um, open-mindedness is one of the key things that I've learned that makes me successful. If I'm open-minded, then I have, then I'm tapping into and leveraging all these amazing people around me that believe in the vision, not just me, and are going to help me to make it great as long as I can stay open to other thoughts besides just my own. Yes. And finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about being on the hook now for their own paycheck? 
I would say my advice to those women is to take your time. Do not be in a rush, but at the same time, exercise faith over fear. That means have a plan for it, but don't just, but also don't dismiss it just because it doesn't make sense in the current space that you're operating in. Um, As you move into different seasons of your life, a lot of the blessings that will come into your life will not make sense. They may not make sense for your time frame, for where you're living, what you're doing, but that's just sometimes how blessings operate. They, They come out of nowhere. So I would say definitely have an order for how you do things. Maybe you stay in your current position um, for a while and you do a period of trans, you know, of transition. But my, my greatest advice is don't allow your fear to override your faith. If it truly is for you and you're called for it, walk in that faith, take it one step at a time. It's not a, it's not a sprint. It truly is a marathon, but don't be afraid to really step out and, and grab hold of your blessing. I love that. And I love the fact that you also talk about just being open to others' opinions. I think uh, we sometimes feel pressure to look like we have it all together. And that if we, you know, let someone say, well, actually, then that means that, you know, we don't look like a leader or we don't look smart, but being open-minded can be just such a blessing as well. So thank you for pointing that out. Now, where can people connect with you after this episode? People can can connect with me a couple of places. My LinkedIn is 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 up. They can connect with me. They can send me messages. I have gotten great um, messages of inspiration, hearing how my story has inspired others. People looking to take that leap of faith and wanting to align with me, which is fantastic. Um, so then LinkedIn, um, Holly Drains. You can search me on LinkedIn. You can search Elite Strategy Global on LinkedIn. You can find me both places. You can find me on the website, www.elitestrategyglobal.com is another way that you can reach out to me as well, either place. But like I said, please send me a LinkedIn message. Um, Send me something to my inbox. I read all of them. And again, they have truly been blessings and affirmation that, number one, I'm not alone in the process. And number two, there's other people out there that are doing what I'm doing, that want to do what I'm what I'm doing, and also want to continue to support um, my vision in the process, and also tell me about what they're doing and allow me to support them as well. That's the other thing, which is beautiful. People have been reaching out and telling me what they're doing and allowing me to see how I can then team up with them, and then we're supporting each other, which is teamwork teamwork is how this thing goes yes all righty so thank you so much for being in the guest chair there you have it guys holly drains of elite strategy global Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.